Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. Starting to feel like summer out there. I'm feeling it. I'm recording this Wednesday night, the 26th of May. It's a hot one here in Boston. It's up to 91 degrees. Right now it's 87 in my attic where I record the show. It's a hot one. Haven't put on the air conditioner yet, but uh, holding out as long as I can. Feels like we might have a normal summer, doesn't it? It's kind of weird. My kids aren't vaccinated, obviously. They're both under age 12. So that's weird. And I don't quite know what to do about that yet because it's very weird taking them anywhere because you just don't know what's still out there. And, you know, can they get COVID? We've avoided it for more than a year now. We've stayed home. I've homeschooled my daughter, you know, all this stuff. Do I turn around and just say, all right, let's go out in the world? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I guess my wife and I can start going out. I've uh, I've had my second shot. She's been fully vaccinated for a while. I'm officially two weeks after my uh, second shot on Monday, right on Memorial Day. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm starting to slowly venture out. But uh, I mentioned in last week's show with Scott Foley that we've got this RV trip planned in June. And I'm starting to feel the, the call of the open road again. I miss it. I miss getting out there. And today's guest, his music is perfect for that. Jesse Terry is my guest today. He has a new album out, When We Wander. And he describes in this interview a couple of times his music as Americana, which I think I would agree with. You know, I don't exactly know what that means, but folky, rocky, you know, just that that music that you put on when you're out on the road and uh, just feeling free, I guess. I don't know. I went out and ran some errands earlier this evening, and uh, yeah, it was a warm day, had the windows down in the car, and I put on Jesse's album, and it just felt great. It was that, like, when you've had a hot day, and you're kind of tired, and the sun's starting to set, and you're just, you know, you're driving, and you're in the zone, and you're thinking about life. It was that kind of day, and Jesse's music was perfect for that, so... We had a really fun conversation. It's interesting, you know, he spent the last 10 years or so out there wandering, touring, playing music, and then like for all of us, the pandemic shut him down and uh, he was at home and like me, has been very cautious about heading back out into the world, but he's got this new album, When We Wander, that are songs <laughs> about the open road. There's songs about wandering. There's songs about parenting, too. Jesse's a new parent, and uh, he's got a two-year-old daughter. And a lot of the songs are influenced by her, too. So it's a fun talk. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Before we get to the interview, here's a little sample of the title track from Jesse Terry's new album, When We Wander. Uh, well, I want to start by just asking about this last 
year now, I guess year plus of COVID, you know, the last whatever, 14 months or so, Yeah. which saying that out loud just seems crazy. But uh, what what has that time been like for you? You know, it's been a a huge mix of like some of the biggest blessings ever and some of the hardest things ever, Uh you know, I mean, like it was so debilitating at, at the beginning when we kind of found out that my job was going away as I knew it. And then my wife also lost her job in um, live events. So at first it was just like, uh, and we were in New Zealand actually where my wife is from. So we had to like, like race out of the country before they closed their border. And um, (laughs) it was, it was like a movie, you know? Yeah. In hindsight, do you wish you had stayed there? Because you may have been in better shape in New Zealand (laughs) than coming back to the U S. Well, yeah, we would have been in better shape for sure. Like, I mean, life wise, but, um, I'm I'm so glad we came back because my business is here and my wife is part of our family business like even more now. Yeah. So the the whole money issue would have been <laughs> an issue. <laughs> there is that that. Pes- that pesky money thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you say everything went away, I mean like for you live performance is kind of your bread and butter, right? And all of a sudden that just you can't do that anymore. Yeah, I mean like I, I love touring, but that, you know, it's really, it's crucial as a musical artist these days, you know, whether you're me or Taylor Swift, you have yeah, to right. tour, you know, to make money. And, um, you know, no matter how many streams you have, you're not going to have a good living that way. Right. Yeah. So it was really wild because I normally play about 150 shows a year. And um, so we're mainly traveling, you know, for a good part of the year between sure. shows and like, you know, just travel. So yeah, it was it was wild and I just didn't know I didn't know how my fans would respond. I don't think I ever had done a live stream show before that, you know? At least not a serious one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that became the only option, right? Yeah, that became a, the only option and and at first, you know, it was very very basic, you know, iPhone, no microphone and and then we got an external microphone and then I got a, a recording studio for home that I started streaming through, um, live streaming through and also making records with. So it was just a, that's where like the silver linings and the blessings come in. Cause I never would have done that otherwise. Yeah, that's right. been really amazing. Were these, I, I haven't seen any of the shows that you did live. Like, were they purely acoustic sets or were you able to get, you know, some other band members and stuff together as well? No, just acoustic at home. Like we, we were, we were extra careful. Uh, we still are. Yeah. They can put a man on the moon, but they can't get two people to play in real time (laughs) that is crazy i mean even just like i I think about that as you know like uh singing happy birthday to you know my family over zoom or so and like the simple timing of a song that we all know by heart is is impossible like i don't know how musicians do it you know yeah right right yeah it's a metronome or something and just everyone's recording their own piece. That's kind of how you have to do it, I guess. Well, I think like, I remember like in the beginning, towards the beginning of the pandemic, I think the the Stones and like Stevie Wonder and people did a big, remember that? There was like a big Yeah, like a big fundraiser concert. thing and yeah, everyone was at home, right. Yeah, and it looked like the Stones were playing together, but right. they, you know, they couldn't have been. Like right. there was just different cameras and they all played, they all lined it up after the fact. Yeah. Well, so talk to me about the lifestyle switch too, because that like, going from a hundred plus shows a year to at home with an iPhone and a, an acoustic guitar like that. Just, yeah. those are worlds apart. Like what, what would it, what did that take? I guess for you to just sort of come down from the, the road life. To be honest, once we got used to 
the streaming. And once we found out how incredibly generous and amazing this fan base is that we've built yeah. over the years, once we found out that we were going to survive, at least for a few months in the beginning, you know, we were like, okay, I think we can make it a few months. And then that turned into a, a year or, so, or and counting. But it was kind of nice because I've been touring for, I don't want to say nice. It's such a weird thing to describe the pandemic in any positive terms. Right. But, you know, if you don't look for the positives, what else do you have? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's what other option do you have? Yeah, I know what you mean, though. It's It's a guilty, like, should I feel good about this? But I really do, you know, like yeah. there, there has been a lot of personal for me too, just like growth and, you know, discovery and stuff during this time that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you have to look at that because we, I'm sure we've all, I mean, my grandfather passed away during, you know, I didn't get mm. to say goodbye. To, we've all had our share of heartache and loss, you know, yeah, so I sure. think, so I think that kind of goes without saying, and, and we can talk about the positive and, and try to focus there and. So getting off the road after 10 years, really like, like I felt like my voice like came back and, and, in like a, and reached new places that I didn't think I could go. And, um, we started going to therapy, which we didn't have time to do before. Like yeah. we started learning how to meditate. We, my wife and I, um, stopped going to Y of course. And we, we like started these really intense insanity workouts at home together, like while doing like mantras. I mean, wow. our neighbors must think we're crazy, you know, I mean, <laughs> It's like Tony Robbins blasting as like some guys like telling us like how many moves to do, you know, right, right. come come on. Like, it was just, but it, it worked for us. You know, it was a great way to do this together and be proactive in this time. So, we, right. yeah. So overall, really, I'm I'm grateful for it. Of course, we need to get back. It's just a chapter. You know, we need to get back to a more normal thing. It's not going to last forever. Sure. You know, and I hope. You- <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. When you say you got your voice back, are you talking about like literally like your like your vocal folds, or are you talking about like your your songwriting voice and you know your your sense of yourself as an artist, or or some combination of both, maybe? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe both. I was actually talking about my physical voice, and I shouldn't say back. I think it's just I had a chance to work on it mm. and do daily exercise and actually get proper sleep every night right. and. Um, you know, just things like that. I mean, the, the voice is so connected to your your body and your sleep and your health. And it needs exercise, just like your biceps do. So I, I really feel like I became a much better artist in that time and actually recorded some albums, of, a Christmas album and a covers album. And I just don't think I could have sang Oh Holy Night like a couple of years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of wear and tear, just traveling and like you say, not sleeping and all that stuff. Well, I, I want yeah. to ask you about this new album that's out, uh, When We Wander. There's something in it, just that, that title track and, you know, the, the line in it, When We Wander, Don't It Feel Like We're Finally Found. Like, there, there's something that I just, I love about the way you wrote that. And, it, like, I, too, I, I identify with it, and I know the feeling of being out there on the road and just, like, there is a piece of yourself that you discover in every new place you go. And I wonder, just thinking about, like, writing that, before the pandemic and then thinking about finding yourself kind of having to root at home. And as you say, you know, building a studio and, you know, working yeah. on the marriage and just like all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I guess, have you thought about, I guess, th- th- those two different realities of finding yourself out in the world and finding yourself, you know, in your own little bubble? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And it took me a while to figure that out because that record was supposed to come out last year in May, 2020 and um i I like quickly my instinct was that it wasn't a good idea 
to release when we wander in the height of this pandemic. I'm so glad I waited. But one of my fears was just that, you know, will these songs written about traveling with my family and kind of exploring the world and um, adventuring, like, would they weather the pandemic and still have meaning? And I really feel like they did because I feel like we wandered into so many places during this pandemic and just trying to figure out how to how to make a living and how to just get through and, and still be artists um, mm. and, and while being safe. And to accomplish that, I feel was a lot more brave than anything I did before. Like, you know, saying, OK, like I'll play a show in Scotland. Like that's that's not really that brave. I mean, that's just really awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know not everybody does that, but I don't think that's super brave. But saying that you're going to pivot and find a way to start a family business and we started selling like guitar string jewelry made from my guitar string i mean all kinds of things you know like we we we've worked harder in this last year than we've ever worked before yeah just kind of reinvention and all i I wonder when you wrote that lyric uh what were you thinking about just like finding yourself while wandering like what what are some of the times you know traveling around for a decade plus (laughs) that you're just like oh this is me, you know, in Scotland or Nashville right. or on the top of a mountain somewhere. Yeah. Well, I think it's so beautiful and so expanding to to see the world and to see other cultures and to know that you and America are like not the center of the universe. You know what I mean? Like, I love where I'm from, you know, but, you know, going to the South Pacific in 2010 was where I, I met my wife. Uh, I, t- I was on a cruise ship gig after moving out of Nashville. And, uh-huh. you know, was, I just remember going down there to the like the crew areas where we, you know, the, the mess, the crew, they called it the mess, the mess hall. And, uh, you know, they had TVs down there and everybody was just watching soccer. Like they were never watching or football, you know, they were never right. watching uh, American news or American football. They didn't care. So that was like the first kind of venture into that. And that was just so eye opening and such a revelation to, to be on all these islands and, and, you know, some very, very um, desolate islands with like, actual tribes that have lived there for thousands of years and have lived the same way for a long time. It was just really beautiful to see how different people live. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, It's interesting, though, because I do feel like your music has a very American feel to it. And like there, there's something, sure. you know, I, I spent 15 years traveling around as a TV producer and, you know, went to all 50 states with that job. And just like, you know, the the road piece I very much identify with. And I kind of hear that in your music, you know, it just, it feels like the type of thing that I can imagine, you know, on an interstate kind of anywhere and just comforting though, you know, like it just like, this is, this is what I want to listen to while I'm driving. (laughs) And, you know, I I guess just where does that sound come from? Like, what are some of your influences and things that you like to listen to, I guess, when you're out on the road? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of the, the the stuff that you're talking about, you know, the, the seventies, uh, singer songwriters James Taylor and and Jackson Brown and you know country rock and country folk whatever Americana music is Linda Ronstadt and Joni Mitchell Springsteen those are all the people that you know kind of shaped me yeah. so that's always going to rub off on my music although it's amazing though that people in the UK and Europe are just like crazy about Americana music right now mm. you know so it's so it's so funny you go over there and they're like they're more excited about it than Americans are. Yeah. Well, I also, I hear some George Harrison in there. Is that, is that fair? Oh, hello. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's wonderful of you to say. Thank you. Cause it's, it's just, it's so funny. You name all these great American songs and I mean, it's the same era, I guess, but you know, yeah. then you throw a British no, guy he, in there too. 
huge Be- yeah huge beatles fan and like george is my favorite i mean i love all of them but george is my favorite and like all things must pass i think didn't did he make that in phil Spector produced that I, he probably made that in America, did he? I, I don't know. Off the top I don't of my know. Head, it was but... post-Beatles. It was the early 70s, yeah. But I Yeah, it was like the greatest, you know, people, most people think that's the greatest kind of post-Beatles record that anyone made, you know, sure. and what a record it is. But it, it feels very much like that Laurel Canyon thing. And they, that was all kind of intermingled, you know, Petty, Tom Petty loves Harrison. Of course, they were in the, the Wilburys together. Sure. So I feel like that whole world, you know, sometimes I don't mention the Beatles just because, it almost goes without saying, you know? Right. It's an easy answer. <laughs> I, it is a very easy, but I mean, it's, it's a great answer too, because, yeah. you know, it doesn't get any, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Well, on the writing for this album too, this is the first time that you've done an album since becoming a parent. So congratulations, first of all. Um, oh, thank you. I, I noticed this, uh, especially the, the song, If I Were the Moon, felt very <laughs> paternal. Yes. Like, talk to <laughs> yeah. me about just how, how being a father has sort of changed, you know, who you are as an artist and, and how you write. Wow. It's, you know, being a father has changed everything. Like, Lily is just the greatest thing in my life, you know, yeah. by a million times. I know my wife would agree, you know, as much as we love each other. I mean, Lily is just the greatest thing that's ever happened. And yeah, it just can't help but shape your writing. So I think a lot of the songs, If I Were the Moon is like a very clear, you know, song about protection and just incredible, immense love for this this little life, you know. And then some of the other songs I think are more exploring maybe darker parts of yourself that you want to change because, you know, once you have a kid, you're going to mold them whether you like it or not. So it's, it's like, you know, that comes back to like kind of the improving yourself thing. You, you better work on that stuff now, you know, or there's nowhere else to hide. There's nowhere left to hide. Right. And how old is your daughter? (laughs) She's a, she's two and a half now, like three in August. Gotcha. So like that must've been a shift too, being home with her during this past year. Yeah. I think, you know, it was a shift for her as well because she's been out on the road and, Actually, she just got her dual citizenship yesterday oh, wow. uh, to New Zealand. She's pretty, uh, pretty worldly little little girl. But um, yeah, she spent her whole life out on the road, you know, seeing people. She'd always kind of crawl, you know, try to get to get up on stage. To, <laughs> and she she was successful quite a few times. I and mean, she just she grew up with that, you know, and she grew up with flights and going to New Zealand, going to England a lot and, and, and Europe. And I, I think she really thrived on that. So it was it was weird for her too, I think, adjusting to that. And we we have a great little place. We live in this like converted mill, like loft apartment. But oh, cool. you know, it's really cool, but it's still it's one bedroom, you know, mm-hmm. and there's no backyard. And it was a challenge like, you know, because there's not a lot of places to go, especially in the winter. So we really had to bundle up and kind of take her to the park like in sub-zero temperatures because <laughs> <laughs> you're up in new england now right Are you like connecticut or something yeah right? yeah yeah like almost rhode island um, okay you know up on the coast there it's just it's a lovely place um it's it's a great place year-round but but definitely challenging during during covid yeah what is it like i'm up in the boston area like for somebody that's been all around the world what makes you settle in new england why why put roots down up here that's a great question too. Uh, well, I'm I'm born and raised here. Okay. You know, after seeing a lot of America, you know, the like Pacific Northwest and West Coast kind of reminds me a little bit of New England, just mm. kind of the the vibe and and um 
you know, the mindset to a certain extent, some of the thoughts and the, the leanings, you know, without going too political. I'm not really into politics too yeah. much. But it's just, a, it's also just a gorgeous place, you know? I absolutely love the place. Yeah, I mean, it's just after being in Nashville for a while and being on the road and it was, it, it just felt like home coming back here. And, and luckily my wife really loved it too. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't hear that influence as much in the music. Like when I, when I think of like, a visual as I'm listening to your album, I imagine like kind of the cornfields of the Midwest or like getting down mm-hmm. into Texas or the Southwest or, you know, and maybe that's just kind of road trip mythology anyways, but I, <laughs> like, I don't hear the new England as much in there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine though too. Cause I love, I love those places and I love living in Nashville. It's like a, it's there for 10 years. So it's such a second home. And my, gotcha. my dad lives in Arizona and I love it there. We got married in Arizona. I love the road trips. I love, I mean, I wouldn't mind living in Montana either, you know, I mean, it's just so far from the gigs. That was a big thing too, actually, because when when we started touring together, my wife and I in 2010, and I had like no fan base, we just kind of played house concerts and we actually moved into the car. We didn't have an address for a year. Wow. And um, it was actually a really awesome year though. It was really cool because we were just traveling and camping and, we had our dog Jackson Brown with us. It was really like a, uh, and I, I wouldn't do it right now, but it was right. a really like romantic time. Even looking back, it just, it looks like, it feels like a movie, you know, yeah. but we, we went all over and, you know, we were, we were pretty close to moving to like Colorado and California and, and Oregon, all kinds of places. But then I started thinking about touring and, you know, where we could make a living. It's pretty hard to make, make a living out there. I think, unless you're super famous, you know, right. cause it's just, the drives are just so long. Right. You know? <laughs> that's true. One one state out there is like all of New England. <laughs> so yeah. So I can really thing. like, yeah, I can play a lot of different places here, a lot of different markets that are pretty close together. Yeah. And still have a good audience there, which is which is really great. Yeah. Talk to me about that journey, too, of like you mentioned, you know, with with COVID shutting down live shows and stuff, having this loyal fan base that's that's turned out online. But like. Yeah. What does it take to build that audience? Like, you know, how did you grow your fan base over time? Well, I'm still learning about that <laughs> little, by, little by little. I mean, it's it's definitely a, you know, as my manager says, it's it's a grind, you know. Right. It's a long game. You have to really love it. You have to love people and love your fans, too, and more than ever really be accessible, I think, and connect to them. But I'm always trying to figure out how to, you know, cut through the noise. Like there's more music out there than ever before, which is great, but it's also really challenging, you know? So I try, I try everything. Like I'm working with a great digital marketing company right now. You know, I have a great publicist. I just really try to take all those opportunities, but it, it can be a little, it can be a one person at a time kind of thing at times. Yeah. I feel like there's a piece too that like, you almost have to let go of the the need or want to build that fan base like if you just do your thing people will find you but like if you're if you're too desperate about it if you're like hey come on check me out do this you know like right people sense yeah. that and, and there's just yeah. there's a genuineness that's missing you know right well yeah people don't want to see like a you have to promote your shows and your your art and stuff but people don't want to see that for every post right. you know um, i mean they, they like and luckily I I've I've really, you know, come to really enjoy sharing the journey, like, you know, traveling or, you know, I, I my daughter, there's there's so much beautiful things. My wife takes uh, as a photographer and just takes beautiful 
photographs and where we live is so beautiful. So I really enjoy kind of sharing that with my fans and just being an open book. And like, like you said, just being yourself. I've just learned that self-acceptance and like being yourself is just the most appealing thing, you know, I, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. And with the music too, it's like, I embrace kind of who I am and like what I sound like. I don't have a, a rough, like Tom Waits, you know, Springsteen voice. Right. That's okay. You know, either does Neil Young or James Taylor, you know, <laughs> like they just embrace what you have. I have this sweet voice and, you know, I'm honest about my life and in the songs and, but I am who I am. So I have to just, I have to go with that. Yeah. I, I want to ask you too, just kind of on the authenticity side, like this album was all recorded live. I mean, in a studio, but it's, you know, they're live yeah. recordings where everyone's playing at once as opposed to, you know, laying down one track a couple of times and then the next one and, you know, editing it all and sweetening it and stuff. Like why take that approach in, you know, in 2020 when we have all this <laughs> technology available to us? Yeah. It's a good question. It was my first time doing that and it took, my longtime producer, Nielsen Hubbard, he's brilliant. And he said, I think you're really ready for this. Like, you can trust me. You can trust the band. It's an amazing band. Like, half of the band is, is Emmy Lou's band, and the other half oh, wow. is, like, John John Prine's band. You know, wow. it's just a, <laughs> okay. a rid- ridiculous band. And I know yeah. them. They're friend- you know, most of them are friends. And he said, you know, and you can – great engineers, so you're going to sound great, and you're ready for it. Just go for it and see – this is how I'm making my best recordings that have the most vibe and have the most emotion. And I just went with them and, and I loved it. It was just such a, such an exciting way to record music and to, you know, respond in time to like what the band was doing. Cause the, the fiddle player played something, uh, you know, a beautiful lick, like right before I had to sing, that was the first time I ever heard it. Mm. You know, and you, you just can't help, but like respond to that emotionally. Yeah. See, I don't know, like, I'm not, I, I played music in high school a little bit and stuff, but it was all, you know, orchestra types. It's not like, you know, rock music at all. But, like, I, I know from acting and stuff that you can, I guess as you're saying, just you can pick up different vibes from people and, you know, what they're putting out affects what you're doing. And I, I guess I'd never really thought about just how that comes together in a musical sense, but it's it, it's similar yeah. to what actors describe, I guess, right? Yeah, I I. I would think so. Um, and, you know, there's no no right or wrong way. But if, if you think about all those, well, really all the old old recordings, you know, like Ray Charles and, and Sinatra, they were all in just this giant room, you know, yeah, like the right. band, the band was like on the other side is like Nat King Cole was singing. It was just incredible what they did. You know, it's a full orchestra, (laughs) just vocals. Yeah, the whole thing. Really incredible. Right. And that's going down to tape, too. I mean, we did have, you know, we are recording to digital stuff, even though using tons of analog equipment. That is pretty convenient and a lot less expensive to do it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious, the the new album, too, um, it's out on vinyl as well. And it is, I saw your post about it, just like the coolest blue <laughs> that I've ever seen. Like, it's a, it's a really cool looking record. Like, how does that, I don't know anything about just like the physical production of a record. Like, how do you get yeah. to decide like what it actually looks like when someone holds it? Wow. It took forever. You can ask my wife about that. Like, up all night you know looking at different colors of vinyl and like agonizing over it because you know you you often don't get they usually give you a mock like of what the color looks like it is never unless it's like solid white or something like 
it's never the same if it's mm-hmm. like translucent. So you yep. kind of have to go with it. But um, when I saw that that wave vinyl, I was just like, oh my lord! Like what? What is that? That's the most. That looks like a work of art, right. you know. And it is. I mean, it. And they charged me like it was a work of art. I mean, it's really <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm with you, man. It's it's really beautiful stuff. You know, I gave one to my daughter, but after that, I don't think I'll give any away. Like, <laughs> just have them all in pristine and plastic. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting too, like thinking about those two ends of the spectrum. I guess now with music, that like there's so much of the world that just consumes it on you know Spotify or Pandora or whatever, and you know it's background music. It's there when you're working out or driving or whatever. And then there has been right. this resurgence in vinyl where people want to be very intentional with what they're listening to. And, you know, I, I don't know what you're charging yeah. for this album, but, you know, 20, 30 bucks, whatever, for a beautifully pressed, you know, blue vinyl right. that no one's ever seen before. Like, does that, uh, do, do you think about that, I guess, at all? Like, sort of as you're marketing the album or just, you know, the two different worlds of how people are consuming this? Yeah, I, I think about it all the time. I mean, it's, it's almost like this podcast versus TikTok thing we have mm. going on right now. <laughs> to me, you know, the thirty like second got... versus like the thirty minute or whatever. Yeah, right. It's like there's nothing. Nobody wants anything in the middle anymore. Right. You know, I love Spotify. I mean, obviously the the business model is not great yet for artists, and I I certainly hope that someday you know they have a way to make that more like radio, where if, if you had a big song, you'd make a lot of money. Right. You know, now that's not really the case. But, you know, I, I, you know, I love Spotify. I pay for it every month, but I also really love vinyl. And I love that people are buying that and, you know, getting passionate about it because it really is like physically such a bigger sound, you know, like the files we send to the person who actually cuts the lacquer that makes the stampers that then makes the record, like that file is so much bigger than what would go on a CD. So when people talk about like how big the sound is and how full it is, like, it really is like, it, you know, I mean, you have to listen on a good player and you have to have a, a good stylus and, a, you know, decent speakers like. But if you're listening on a, on a decent system, it's it's a bigger sound like it hits you in the gut. Yeah. You can feel it. You know, that's just a that's a really cool thing. Yeah, it, it is weird, though. Like, I'm just I'm thinking of those two different ends of the spectrum, I guess. And it's almost like, you know, somebody eating something like off the dollar menu at McDonald's. And ordering, you know, a nice filet mignon, you know, Michelin star restaurant, but it's like the same chef making both dishes. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're (laughs) such opposite ends of sort of how we consume and, but yet the product's the exact same. It's funny you said chef because I, lately I've always been thinking about Spotify kind of like, it's a great deal for the consumer, including myself when I'm listening like I'm getting a I'm getting a lobster roll for a cent, you know, right, or, exactly. or or less than a cent. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is strange. But I think they can work together. And you know, right before this call, I just found out I'm on this uh, uh, Spotify like editorial playlist, that, which is really exciting, you know, because oh nice. Yeah, all these people hear you that wouldn't have heard you, and and maybe they will go get get a record, and maybe they will come to a show when those come back, you know. So. If it can work like that, I think it's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely there's more discovery than ever. You know, it's a it's a tough commitment to go. I'm thinking of, you know, 20 years ago or something like you'd have to go drop 15 or 20 bucks for a CD and hope it was good. And, you know, right. You might know the one single off the radio, but then there's, you know, nine other tracks that you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't spent that money. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm I'm old enough to still have like thousands of CDs. Yeah. You know? 
in storage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious too, though, that approach, like, do you still think, because I, I, I find that I listen, I, I like to listen to an album, whether it's digitally or, you know, an LP, like I like as much as I can hearing what the artist intended and sort of how one song flows into another. That's not to say I don't put on, you know, just shuffle sometimes or, you know, a curated playlist or something. But there is something about the intention of an album that that I still enjoy. And maybe it's just because I grew up with them. You know, I don't know if someone, you know, 20 years younger than me thinks that way. But like for you, when you're when you're writing and trying to think of, you know, I want this song next and this song next. Are you still thinking in album terms? Yeah, I I definitely am. I mean, certainly when we're picking out the songs, because I mean, there's there's quite a few songs I really love that, you know, didn't make it onto When We Wander just because we already had a song mm. like that, yep. you know, and that, that, that happens every record. And sometimes those songs will be on the next one, or sometimes they kind of get lost and you discover them later. But um, I'm always thinking album cause I'm, I'm with you. I grew up on, I grew up on albums and I still, I still love that they're being evaluated and appreciated as an album. You yeah. know, you're still getting album reviews. Like it's not, especially in my genre too. I think like, you know, I can release a single, but I'm not, I'm not an EDM or, or hip hop artist. So right. it's still more of an album format, I think. And, and luckily my audience is like a good number of them are old enough to still buy CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, it's declining all the time, which is why we're always trying to transition and, and encourage people to get turntables. But, um, but yeah, we're we're still making CDs at least at the moment. Yeah, something you just said was interesting to me too. That like there are songs that don't make the cut. That like, do those songs ever come back? Are there songs on this album that were written ten years ago, or like, are you always kind of like, oh, that'll probably come back, and then you start the next album and it's kind of a fresh slate? Yeah, it seems to be more of that fresh slate thing. But every once in a while, like maybe I'll um my iTunes will be on shuffle or something yeah. and my wife will be like what's that song you know <laughs> I'm like oh it's some old song I wrote in like 2008 I wasn't any good back then you know and, and she'll be like well that's like my favorite one that I've heard in a while oh, wow. <laughs> you know <laughs> and I'll be like okay well maybe I should maybe I should look into this and that's happened a bunch with with songs that are on records now yeah and I'm, I'm sure it'll happen again I mean you know you get so focused on an album and and then the release of it and the performance of it that I, the songs that I really love that didn't make the, this record, like I've forgotten what they are. You mm -hmm. know, I, I need to go back and listen because I'm sure I'll be like, oh yeah, that that was pretty good. I'd, I'd love to record that song. Yeah. When they come back to you, like, do you come and rewrite? And like, if you're in a different place in your life or just a different mentality, like, is it kind of like like being a scrap collector and just like, I like that little bit of melody and I like those three lyrics? Or are you? Or do you hear a whole song again and say, "Ooh, that song from ten years ago"? I just want to re-record that as is. Yeah, usually the latter, unless it's a, a total throwaway song. But you're like, "Wow, I love that hook," you yeah. know, but. I, I hate the song, but I love, <laughs> love that hook. <laughs> or, um, yeah, but I mean, and, and also like with this producer, Nielsen, I have, and also other producers I've had, um, I haven't had a ton, really. Nielsen's been such a wonderful kind of mentor and person in my life uh, and really inspiring. But, you know, we'll, we'll normally sit down for uh, pre-production and he's got a great instinct with what he does. And he will really like change some songs, you know, even if it's just like, hey, I think that tag, 
just needs to get back to the you know interlude quicker or you can drop that you can drop that one word and and sometimes that makes all the difference you know mm-hmm. and he's never asked for like you know a writing credit because he's helped me change a word or two or or whatever like he or he might tell me to go back and he'd be like that song could be really good but it's not quite there yet yeah. and and that's great to have his um you know, his feedback, because he's also a singer songwriter. And, and like I said, he's just one of those people that can really give a a, a great kind of gut reaction mm. that seems to always be on the money. Yeah. <laughs> one of those changes that I picked up on, perhaps maybe this might be a wrong read on it, but like most of the album <laughs> is very acoustic and, you know, it has that kind of, like I was saying, that kind of road trippy feel to it. Uh, but then right. Innocent Ones has a really killer electric guitar lick in it. And, you know, there's a guitar solo mm. and stuff. And just like it fits with everything else, but it also kind of right. doesn't where it was like, oh, right. this is something different. Yeah. Like, how did that, you know, just I guess making calls like that, you know, sort of stylistic calls. How do those come into being? Yeah, I mean, that I remember when that happened and I I loved it, you know, but it, I was like, oh, this is this feels more like like petty and right. like the East. The East. This sounds like Little Stevie just took a solo from the, the E Street band, right. you know. And but I, I loved it. You know, we all loved it, and it just it it seemed to fit that song. So um, we just kept on going. But that was a lot of fun, yeah. you know. And I, I think with that one, we actually did, you know, the the core of the track was was live. But then I think a bunch of us kind of got around a mic with, you know, six strings and twelve strings. And like strum together kind of, I mean, that that's kind of like the wall of sound approach right. with, um, you know, and, and also like the Jeff Lynn, Tom Petty approach. Um, so that was a lot of fun. It just felt like it just felt right. Yeah. And I guess that's that's a lesson, too, is not to be too, you know, some people are so strict with genre that they're just like, no, I'm this kind of artist. It's got to be this. And you can have fun. Yeah. With it. it can be fluid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my my manager has always told me, like, just think genreless you know like mm. we we know that you're a americana whatever whatever americana is i mean genres are always changing right. you know so you know folk americana singer songwriter but um he's like just just think genreless and you know i just did this covers album and like there's 22 songs before any cuts i don't hear any cuts yet but um <laughs> so it could be 22 songs and like there's everything from like gershwin to dylan oh, to wow. um Crowded House to Riders and Hammerstein and I love all the songs you know I picked them all myself of course and I, you know I was a little concerned about that at the beginning I was like is this going to be a little too all over the place and then I was like oh screw it you know like I love these songs I love the band like I got this amazing upright bass player I got this um incredible steel dobro um mandolin fiddle player named Fats Kaplan who played with John Prine for many years and all all kinds of people and he was incredible because I just love those instruments right. you know so I was like what would you know what would some enchanted evening sound like with a, a pedal steel guitar and fiddle you know and I think the answer was sounds awesome sounds beautiful that's uh, yeah I can't wait to hear I mean like <laughs> I, a rock cover of Gershwin I'm really interested in too that. <laughs> yeah that's very intriguing yeah it's really fun um what are you thinking about next? Like just, you know, we're starting to open things back up, you know, people are getting the vaccine and things and it feels like live concerts may be back in, I don't know, three months, four months. Like, yeah. you know, how, how are you feeling about getting yeah. back out there and, you know, doing your thing? I feel good. I, I really do. I mean, as, as I said, we've been like on the very um, heavy side of being extra safe 
And I always said to my wife and to my my team that like, you know, once they had a really safe and effective vaccine that I would be, you know, first in line to take it. um, When it felt responsible to go back out there and I'd be back out there. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I mean, we we have outdoor shows, not, you know, not a ton, not like old times yet, but we have a good a good number in like June through August. And then some indoor shows planned for like starting in September. And we'll just have to see how it feels. It's kind of this strange transitional time. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we can kind of all get used to that and get to a level of safety and like reasonable risk in life. And then hopefully next year we'll feel very normal, like, like with booking and stuff, yeah. you know, Yeah. that's my, that's my hope anyway, because this might not, you know, we might not completely get, a, get rid of COVID, but if we can get it down to a really low risk, I feel like that's just kind of life. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to do what you got to do at some point. <laughs> yeah. If we're yeah. all safe, we got the vaccine, go out and do it, I guess. Yeah. I can't, I can't stay here forever. I can't, I'd have to go to New Zealand and eventually they'll open up the borders, you know, <laughs> and then COVID will get that. I mean, I don't know. I just think, yeah, if it's a low risk, I'm okay with it. It just, it hasn't been obviously over the last year. Or so we've just done everything we could do to keep the family safe and and so far so good all right there we go jesse terry he's got a he's got a good outlook on life (laughs) i felt happier talking to him lots of positivity there his new album when we wander it's really good go listen to it as you're out driving around this summer memorial day weekend is next week so if you're going to be out there and getting back out in the world have jesse's music with you and check out this vinyl, too. Seriously, it is the prettiest vinyl I have ever seen. It is a really cool color. Totally dig it. So go check that out. I have new episodes of Quarantine Creatives every Thursday. Make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app to get that. And I also have a newsletter that comes out every Sunday. Go to heathrasella.com and enter your email address to get on that list. If you haven't yet, go get the vaccine. Stay safe. <laughs>